Do you call that noise? Welcome back to What Do You Call That Noise, the XTC podcast, where our obsession for all things XTC knows no bounds. My name is Mark Fisher, and in this month's episode, we're going to be considering the fine art of collecting. We're looking at the most prized possessions in the XTC catalogue and talking to some of the people who are proud to call them their own. We'll also be asking whether there is something special about XTC that makes them so collectible. I'll introduce my guests in just a second, but not before I extend my thanks to all the groovy supporters on Patreon who keep the podcast going. They include Pink Things, Humble Daisies, and Knights in Shining Karma, who I'll name check at the end of this episode. One of the benefits of being in the Humble Daisies and the Knights in Shining Karma is you get to, to hear the podcast a week in advance. And if that sounds enticing, you'll be very well advised to go to patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher to sign up. Oh, and just a reminder that you can get, actually talking about collecting, actually, you can get my two XDC books at xdclimelight.com, but you'll have to move quickly because the XDC Bumper Book of Fun is nearly a collector's item already. Uh, it's just about sold out. Now it's time for our monthly steer on what drinks we should be savoring when we listen to our favorite XDC songs. The drinks cabinet is bulging with suggestions from previous episodes, which include vodka and orange paired with the wheel and the maypole, chilled chocolate whiskey to go with complicated game, and English breakfast tea to accompany the affiliated. So let's see what Ches Preston would like to add. What do you call that noise? Hello, my name is Cheryl, or Ches to some, and this shy person recommends pairing a good dry gin with the exciting sounds of extrovert. The smooth and slight thing on the tongue will bring out the someone else in you after a couple of sips and leave you feeling new and not so blue. New and not so blue. Brilliant. I like the sound of that. Thanks very much for that, Chez. Uh, now, to our guests, who are an attractively international bunch, let's start by going all the way to Texas and give a big hello to Leslie Gooch. How are you doing, Leslie? Uh, very well, thanks. Great. It's good to have you on the episode, not least uh, because Leslie's a longtime supporter of the podcast and has been on the cusp of being a guest for several months. So it's particularly good to get her on today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Leslie. Um, next, we'll go to Bristol in the UK, where we find Daryl Bullock. Hello, Daryl. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Good, good, good. And as well as being an original Limelight reader, if I remember correctly, Daryl was one of the organisers of the recent XTC convention, and I very much enjoyed his interviews with Terry Chambers and Neville Farmer. Daryl is the host of the World's Worst Records podcast and the author of several books, including David Bowie Made Me Gay, which comes with a recommendation from Andy Partridge, no less. Uh, and then we head to Hammarstrand in Sweden, where we're joined by Per Aronson. Hello, Per. Hello there. Good to be here. I'm, I'm going to be calling Per a collector's collector because it was Daryl who recommended him as the ideal guest for this episode. And if Daryl thinks Per is an impressive collector, we can safely assume that's exactly what he is. <laughs> Great to have you oh, here, Per. I'm flattered. <laughs> 
Um, it's actually uh, Marek Kraus that we have to, to have to thank for suggesting this episode. Um, Marek grew up behind the Iron Curtain in the 1980s and had to go to extra efforts to get hold of any records at all. He lives in what is now the Czech Republic and he got his first XCC record from his mother who'd been on holiday in the former Yugoslavia and that was go to and he's been a fan ever since. And I think uh, that sort of dedication to get uh, records across the Iron Curtain puts anything I think that the rest of us uh, have collected over the years to shame, I think. Um, but that sort of idea, the, the idea that you might be obsessed enough with the band to, to, to cross borders, to, to, to go um, to great lengths, I think says something about XTC fans uh, and the degree to which people get very obsessed with them. And I know, Leslie, you're, you've observed that, not necessarily just for collectors, but just people's enthusiasm for XTC uh, does certainly reach... Uh, sort of epic fan <laughs> scales quite quickly in a way that is maybe not the true for all groups. Uh, I don't know. I don't, do, where, where do you think that obsession comes from? Well, I, I, I do. I have given this a lot of thought, and I, I don't know, but I know that um, probably most hardcore fans of any band think that um, this is how people generally feel about their band. Um, but I just, I just started to notice that it seemed like either people had never heard of XTC or they were very strong fans of XTC. I, I found uh, on Twitter when, um, when the discussion would come up, I found I, I kept writing the phrase, you know, there is no sort of lukewarm fan of XTC or, or, or casual fan of XTC or either don't really know them or you love them a lot. And I think that's, I think that's really interesting. And I've, I've thought a lot about why that might be. And um, I think, you know, there's several things like XTC or there's so much going on with their music um, that people can get them on so many different levels. So a lot of people will say that XTC are um, a musician's band, like, um, people who are real musicians um, understand and appreciate the complexity of what's going on. And that's not me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a musician in any way. Um, I just know, you know, that I'm drawn to it and the things that I love, you know, I love how you're thinking the music is going to go here and it goes here from completely different place. I don't know that you have to be, you know, a hand gymnast to, to make that chord. Uh, I just love how it sounds. And, um, and I think mostly that's for me, at least it's about kind of the surprises and where the music goes, um, lyrically and melodically. Yeah. It's making me think back to when I first heard the band and I, I, I came in with drums and wires and uh, Christmas 1979 was when I got it, but almost uh, immediately, you know, within a matter of weeks, a couple of weeks, I'd already bought uh, White Music and Go To and some of the singles. So I'd, I started becoming uh -huh. a collector almost instantly. And I, uh, there are other people uh, that I like, I'm, I would say I was a fan of, but for example, Elvis, Elvis Costello, I have pr uh, pretty certainly the majority of uh, Elvis Costello's albums, one way or another, in one form or another. But I don't think I've got a single single by <laughs> by Elvis Costello. It hasn't occurred to me that I should get the entire uh, output in quite that same sort of way. 
it, yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, I I got pretty obsessed with Elvis Costello when I was a teenager, um, and I I know um, you know most uh, pretty well a lot of his albums and um, have heard probably most, if not all. Um, and uh, musically in my household, you know, my husband usually is doing the music purchasing and he's selecting what gets played for us both to listen to. Um, and then I may take some CDs and put them in my car for a while because I want to listen to them. Um, but I don't generally buy on my own um, until after uh, This Is Pop um, documentary came out and I got freshly obsessed <laughs> with XTC and then started buying my own copy of everything. So, you know, all those studio albums and then uh, we'll, we'll be talking more about what, what we have. I, people may say, what is Leslie being doing on this episode with these professional collectors? Because I'm definitely a novice. Um, but I would say I'm not a collecting type of person. But I have started collecting XTC, and I even have some things that are semi-rare. You know, they're not sought after by by lots of people, but um, things that I just thought were really cool, and so I uh, I sought them out. Yeah, yeah. And Daryl, I wonder whether your experience of having worked in a record shop where you would you you know if anywhere you're going to see obsessive fans of all sorts of uh, colors and shapes that that you would come across them in a record shop. Do, do, is your did your own collecting start uh or, or does it actually extend to other bands as well as to XUC? Yeah, I mean I mean I've I've always collected, I mean, ever since I was a kid, you know, everything from stamps and coins through to you know, records and, and was cassettes at that point and, and ephemera, I love ephemera, paper goods, things like that. Anything to do with the band that I'm into. So I was obsessed with the Beatles, for example, and, and their solo careers at that point. So anything and everything I could get hold of. I started collecting um, shop display material. So posters and, and you know, the kind of um, standees. So there's the King for the Day one behind me. And I've got a few of those. We'll probably talk about them later. Um, I, I, think, I think with XTC, one of the things about collecting them is, is because they are, there's a finite amount of material. You can, uh, I guess, you can hope to achieve a complete and perfect collection. With a band like the Beatles, it never stops. You cannot collect the Beatles. It's just impossible. You will spend every single penny in your pocket and you will still never complete your collection. You know, I mean, there's, there's like two seven inches I need and I've got everything as far as I'm concerned. So it's, it's, it's achievable. It's an achievable goal. Um, so I don't know if that actually answers your question or not, but I, uh. yeah, no, but well, it, 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 to chime with my own minor anecdote, it, it was certainly possible in 1979 to get the entire XDC catalog. I I had to catch up some. I got uh, Go Plus in a secondhand shop somewhere, and you know, but it didn't take long to get the whole collection because I was starting so early. But there are other bands. Uh, whose output now is so great that if you were beginning to get into them now, it would be a lifetime. You know, if you if I suddenly got into Bruce Springsteen or something like that, or the Rolling Stones, where would where would I even begin? It would be a hopeless task. But at least I came in at the right stage where it was possible, and I suspect you did as well. well I think I think for a lot of us, collecting extends past just the records. 
It's not just about having the seven inches and, and the LPs or having every track. There's also you know, the guest appearances and all those kind of things as well. Um, it does become an obsession. You know, you're, you're searching out. I've just recently bought the Pugwash album reissue and it's because it's got Andy and Dave on it. That's the only reason it exists in my collection because they're on it. I'm not really interested in the rest of it, to be honest. I'm genuinely not. It doesn't matter to me. It's the fact that it's 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 XTC related is enough reason for it to be in the collection. But per, how did you start collecting XTC? Very easy. I wanted all the tracks, so I started to buy singles and wanted to hear the B sides. And then I discovered that oh, there there is uh, a lot of different sleeves and so on. That's how I started and. Uh, I also agree with Leslie about the passion for XTC is because XTC are different. It's not your average band. You have fantastic lyrics and always surprising melodies. And the first album I bought was Black Sea. But the first uh, thing I bought was Generous and Majors. And on Generous and Majors, uh, the double single, there is this track... Uh, uh, the Somnambulist. I remember hearing it and thinking, eh, the person that have made this is not uh, your average person. And I played <laughs> it all the time, and I still listen to it. It's an amazing track. That's how I started. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. That sense, particularly those early singles, where if you were collecting them as they were coming out, you would be able to hear tracks that you just wouldn't be able to hear otherwise. But if if you buy you know the Stephen Wilson remixes, for example. You can get all of these extra things that you, you, you back then you couldn't get. Well, I I did some counting. I have one hundred and ninety nine seven inch singles, all XTC or Dukes or Stratosphere. Wow, <laughs> crazy! <laughs> yeah, most most of them making plans for Nigel. You know, I, it's so easy to keep on guessing that, isn't it? And and I have all the science friction except. The, the one that all everybody wants. <laughs> so I have science fiction from Germany, from uh, New Zealand, from Australia, from UK, but not the UK with a picture sleeve. I still think it sells for around 2,000, 3,000 pounds, something like that, if you have a chance to buy it. Yeah, that, so that is the holy grail. Do, do, do we agree that science fiction with a, with a, with a cover is the one that we're we'd most like <laughs> yeah the 3d cover yes that is the holy grail i mean pez right it, it is the holy grail it's not the rarest i mean i i would suggest that wrapped in gray seven inch in a pitch sleeve is rarer yeah but it's it's more but rare. it's not the one that collectors wants and that's because you have uh the the dual collecting angle here not only is it xtc's you know rare one of xtc's rarest releases but it's also a very rare punk collection uh, punk collectible and there are lots of people who collect punk records and new wave records not necessarily collecting it because it's by xtc um it's kind of it's kind of like you know when you, you say there's two different markets for an antique chair people who collect chairs and people who collect that kind of period of antiques same sort of thing happens with a lot of records is that you might have more than one um, collecting market out after it. So I've got here, um, a, 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 this is a seven inch of, this is a seven inch of, of, of science friction, um, but it doesn't have a, a, a cover. <laughs> and I don't know whether it's X jukebox or, or, or where it's come from, but it, but it exists and it's in my hand right now. So is that, is that of value at all? Yeah, it's valuable. 
But I, we, which one do we have? Is the UK version? So that looks like a straightforward first first edition British seven inch. Yeah, but without a sleeve. And here is the German one. I've got that one as well. Yes, I had two. gave gave away one of them. I'm wondering if the, is do you have so many of science uh, friction because you love that song so much, or just because there are so many versions of it and you just wanted to collect them all? I wanted them all. That was it. <laughs> so I even have two of that one. But here is here is an odd thing I have. This is uh, looking for footprints in hard vinyl. Oh, I've got one of those. So, so look at for those who don't know, looking for footprints came out as a flexi disc with uh, Flexi Pop magazine or something like that. I can't remember yeah. what publication. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but so you've got it on the hard hard vinyl. Yeah, and I think it was made. Twenty copies was made of this one. So, but you see, there's nothing. There's nothing. Just white like this. But it is looking for prints. How interesting. Yeah. I have a copy as well. And Daryl, you have that one too? I, I, I have one as well. Exactly the same. I thought um, most of the Flexi Pop singles were um, pressed on 50 copies of vinyl. There might be less. It could easily be less. Yeah. Um, but I've got one as well, yeah. And there's a, I think there's a 10-inch acetate of it as well around. But I've, not, I've not seen one of those. So technically, an item like that, it should be even rarer than the science friction we're talking about, but uh, maybe fewer people know about it. That's probably true. It, it's certainly rarer, but less people are interested in it. But it's not as interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be a, a, a real fan to, to even know that it, it, it exists. I, I, I took a chat with Andy about collecting and asked him what he thought. Do you want me to read what he said? I would love to, yeah. Yes. He, he says like this, collecting is a noble art. <laughs> I am a man who collected American comics in, the, in his teens and early 20s, transferring my affections to toy soldiers and old toys from then on. I've occasionally tried to rationalize collecting, but bah, no examination needed. I just enjoy it. <laughs> Finding things I never knew existed, getting all the variants of any given object. It simply gives me great joy. And life is all about following your joy. I think that is quite a good description because I said to him, in, in many ways, it's quite pointless with all, all this stuff you have. But I, I see it as it's, it goes all the way back to the cave when we collected things. And it, it's still in our genes to do that. Yes, like building up food for the winter. It's, it's that yeah. urge to, <laughs> to keep us through the, the dark months ahead. <laughs> But I keep keep the warmth. But have have either of you, uh, Daryl or Per, gone through moments that I went through, which is thinking, uh, I, I you know I was a keen collector until a certain point, and then I thought, why am I doing this? I never look at these things. I don't get any pleasure from them, particularly as sort of just the sort of comfort of knowing it's there. And I did actually stop. Um, and and it's maybe in in latter years I've become a bit more interested again. But have you have you ever had those moments of existential yes. questioning? <laughs> Yes, many times. Mm. I collect, I have so much now, and I very seldom find anything that I want because I have so much, and I'm not that interested anymore. And I th look at all my things and think, what shall I do with this? Yeah, yeah. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, this, but this is a fun thing to talk about it. I, I used to collect the Beatles. I was just obsessed with the Beatles when I was younger, and I had a massive collection, but I sold it all. Because you do get to this point where you know you can never complete that collection. So it so 
as long as I've got the music, it's of no interest to me. And there's a lot of bands that I absolutely love. But as long as I've got a version or, you know, a copy of each recording, I'm happy. I don't care if it's CD or it's vinyl or, or whatever these days. But XTC, I don't know what it is about them. Maybe it's it's what I was saying earlier on about having an almost complete collection that keeps me going. Mm. Um, I couldn't part with it. I couldn't part with my XTC collection. You can never yet, get a anyway. complete collection. It's impossible. No, even, well, even with XTC, you can get all the music, but you can never get all the items. No, if you want, if you want every foreign edition, if you want all those kind, all the ephemera and all the little objects like the Japanese, you know, bandanas and stuff, you'll never do it. But if if all I wanted two seven inches to complete my co British collection, I might achieve that one day. Yeah, you know, hopefully one day I'll, I'll probably end up spending you know five, six, seven thousand pound. But hopefully <laughs> one day I'll have those two seven inch singles, and my collection will be my British collection, if you like, will be complete. So I, but I still there are still so many interesting foreign editions. You know, Paris mentioned. You know, copies of Black Sea with slightly different covers and Japanese pressings with the OBs. And, and uh, there's so much still out there that I want. Leslie, do you have any trepidation as you begin a, a collecting uh, career, if you like, uh, that, that, that it's all in vain? Um, no, no. I mean, I think I agree with what Andy said about, you know, it bringing you joy. And I mean, I guess if you set yourself up, to think I, I won't be happy unless I have everything, then, then you're going to have a lot of unhappiness. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, I'm not obsessive and I don't see myself getting that way about um, collecting things. I just, I do periodically look, have um, like some alerts that come to me from eBay um, for keywords. And so I, I do look around, um, but I'm not going to pursue something unless it's like, it just clicks with me. And I think, oh, that's really cool. I, I would never even, you know, eventually have anything close to, to what these guys have collection, collection wise. And I'm fine with that. I'm not, that's not what I'm seeking. You know, I just have a few special things that I think are really cool and I'll buy some more special things um, as I encounter them. It's so much easier now with eBay and so on. Yes, yes, I have it easy. When I collected, I bought Record Collector every month and went through all the small ads to find something and phoned people in Australia or UK, UK or U United States and things like that. It was really fun. It was more fun then, I think, mm -hmm. because it was harder work. Leslie's mention of... Um, uh, eBay uh, makes me think, and actually yours of, of, of record collector as well, makes me think about money. And I'm and, and, and wondering how much, uh, you, you know, what's your most extravagant purchase? Uh, how, how much have you spent on these things? Oh, my missed, I don't know. Maybe the gold record for, make, uh, for drums and wires that was presented to Colin Moulding. I have that one. It's a, it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, maybe 700 pounds, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think the most I spent was on a set of four acetates for English Settlement. All right. Um, and that, that wasn't madly expensive. It was a long time ago. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was 100 or 150 pounds. I don't think I've spent more than that. I've come very close several times. Um, I've got my, my um, science friction was only 50 quid or something like that. Uh, again, no picture sleeve, but I've got this. I've got a British seven inch. Um, 
I, it would have, if I'd have spent over a hundred pound or, or something, it would be for an acetate or something like that. Yeah. Also, my orange and lemons box. You know, oh yeah, that sure. one is quite expensive, maybe five hundred dollars. Tell me about that one, Per. It's a promo box that was made for orange and lemons in the United States. And I think maybe 50 was made. And uh, I had been looking for it for at least 30 years and bought it two or three years ago from a fellow collector, John D. Rosenberger. And I think I paid five or $600. I don't remember. Uh, it's, it's quite nice. Mm. So, it's, so we're seeing actual oranges and lemons. <laughs> uh, we're seeing the, no, the, the well, it's plastic. Plastic, right, in straw. Yeah. Uh, and the, the album's cover on the inside of the box and uh, uh, the, 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 the CD itself. But then what, what's the book that, that, that's there? No, it's a, a video, you know, that... Uh, it's the making of oranges and lemons. The road to. Road to orange and lemons. Yeah. So yeah. this is a very rare thing. Mm -hmm. And I was extremely happy when I found it. That's wonderful. It looks gorgeous. And actually the gorgeousness of, of XDC material is one reason that it that it's fun to collect, particularly I would suggest maybe less so the albums, but the singles. If you look through the early singles, they're 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 beautiful objects in themselves, aren't they, Daryl? They really are. I mean, you know, and a lot of that's down to Andy, of course. You know, yeah. being being an incredibly talented uh, artist uh, and having a hand in pretty much everything apart from the go-to sleeve and a couple of the early singles. So it's um, yeah, it's very much. I, I've always thought of of XTC products and Andy's solo output as. Uh, not just the record, not just the music. The the cover is intrinsic to to what's going on. So you know, when you hear people moaning about I don't know artwork or something, you've got the artwork is a real part of that that item. Yeah. So with um with the uh, my Phil songwriting career EPs coming up, one of the reasons they're coming out as EPs is is because of the aesthetic value there. And I think it's mm -hmm. really you know I, I, it's it's it's. It makes it so much more fun if you're a collector, but it's also, um, I think it's, it's very. He's very true to his art, you know. It always has been, and and I love that about about XTC and about him specifically. It's about how it's not just about the music in a white white paper sleeve. There's everything else going on. It's a very immersive, multi-dimensional experience. And I think it was on a previous podcast that Dave Gregory was saying that um, when Andy was writing any song that had the potential to be a single, whether it, whether or not it was a single, because he thinks so visually, he would have a conception of what the single sleeve would look like should it be a single further down the line. Um, it's an amazing way of thinking, isn't it? One of the first things that I bought was the Note Thug single. Um, and because I, uh, I met a, fa a fellow fan um, who had a copy and had lost it in a flood, um, it got ruined. And he said, uh, you know, that was one of the things he missed the most. And so I, um, I found it and to, to gift to him. Um, and when it arrived, I took a peek for myself and I loved it so much that um, <laughs> I sent it on to him. But then I started looking for a copy for myself. So that was one of the very first things I bought beyond um, just, you know, the, the studio albums. Yeah, and I don't know, Leslie. I don't know if you'd like to describe describe it because it's a a cutout theater, isn't it? It's a pop up theater. Yeah, I, I think most people are pretty familiar with it. Um, it's just 
that, you know, it's, it's a little theater and it has the, the, the sleeve inside um, that has the little characters. It has the little page where you can actually cut out the little figures and then do like a little scene with them, I guess, and make up your own dialogue. <laughs> it's just such a fun, really neat package, if you will. Which which makes me think what what pick up on what Daryl was just saying. It feels to me that the it, it, it's part of the actual song that that that's that that stage set because that it, it then makes you think about the song. Oh yes, it is written in acts and there are the different characters and the characters have their lines and so on and it 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 completes the picture if you like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it really does, doesn't it? I mean, even the even the the label on the record on both sides of the disc shows a different background. So you can put that in and see it through the through the window of the house, through the theatre, mm-hmm. and you get a you get a different image depending on how you put the record away. It's so there's so much thought. Yeah, I don't think I've noticed that. <laughs> ah, yeah, <laughs> so much thought has gone into this. You know, that so much care and attention goes into XTC product. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, being in Sweden, per was it hard to or harder to get hold of stuff or no, no, not really. I lived in Stockholm before, and there we had two or three really good uh, record shops. So it was never a problem. And and, and also uh, reading record collector. And actually, I don't know, but I think it was that way I got in contact with Daryl the first time and bought Wrapped in Grey from him. Mm, might have been. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Well, um, That's when I was working at a, in a shop or managing a shop in Cheltenham. Yeah. Um, and... Wrapped in Grey was due to come out as a, it was it was only promoted by Virgin as as a CD and a cassette single, although there were seven inches pressed, which I believe were only ever issued for radio play, radio stations that hadn't moved over to, to CD then. Um, so they only actually gave a catalogue number to the to sell into the record shop like us uh, for for the CD single and the cassette. Cassette was never pressed. CD was pressed, and then. Virgin reps were bringing them around to offer them to shops and then told to return them all. They weren't going to issue it and they were just going to pulp them. So I was lucky enough to get hold of a box of the CD single. And it's in a slimline jewel case. Uh, I think if I recall correctly, because it's a long time ago now, you can get 35 or 40 slimline jewel cases into a a, a box, the box that the, the companies used to use to ship. So I had a box of them. I had 35 or 40 copies at one point uh, and sold them all for, not for a lot of money. I wasn't, I wasn't ripping people off. I was selling them on to fans that couldn't get them anywhere else. And I kept one for myself, two for myself. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> I've, I had uh, two yeah. for a while, but I sent one of them to Andy, actually. Well, that's an interesting thing, isn't it, Per? Because... Uh, the band themselves often don't have a lot of this stuff that that, that you're talking about. No, I, I don't think they are that interested in the in collecting XTC. Mm-hmm. They've done the songs. They've gone out there. Yeah, yeah. They know the the whole story. They don't need to collect. I think Andy gets um, he he's, he becomes more interested when you show him something that he's never seen before, yeah. and he wonders. You know who put it out and who paid for it? Yeah. Did you know? Did Virgin put it out or did it come out of XDC money and it was never you know never accounted for? Yeah, I came across a couple of <laughs> um, Japanese bootlegs. Uh, I haven't physically seen them, but they were being advertised 
uh, just recently, um, and they looked like they just sort of stuff from youtube and, and and repackaged it and it's a company <laughs> I, I looked into the company and the company seems to specialize outrageously in creating bootlegs um and you know presumably xcc wouldn't have any idea of that but not least because if they did they would do so try and shut the company down well do you know uh, there's no point because it costs too much money trying to chase a small company down like that uh weirdly i've had this conversation with with andy um quite a while back about companies who were kind of making money in that in that way, and it costs so much for them to send a cease and desist letter every time that it's it, half the time it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and those boot, bootlegs are almost always in bad quality, so it's mm. not much to have. Yeah, but you know the, the craziness of collecting XTC. I can show you. Yeah, my wife found this and wondered what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I show you now one. It's transistor blast. Two, two, two transistor blasts. Three, <laughs> three transistor blasts. They're all blasts. still sealed. <laughs> Four, <laughs> five. <laughs> it's open. Six, <laughs> seven, and then <clears throat> I have gave, given one away also. So I had eight <laughs> for a while. Now that is totally nuts. And and is there any distinction between any of those? These this is the box set of, of no no uh, it's the same all the same yeah, they are not yeah. open one is open the rest are still yeah. sealed but you know it was like this uh, it was sold uh, in Sweden from a shop uh, and they took the wrong price I think I paid fifty kronas per piece and that is five five pounds oh very so, so I, I bought a bunch of them but it's if anyone wants one, call me. I can send it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, uh, oh, I have the same with uh, Apple Venus. I, th- I think LP. I have six or seven of that one. <laughs> and and they are six or seven identical, rather than different labels with from different countries yes. and so on. Yeah. Yes, but then also, of course, I have. Skylarking, maybe 15 or 20 different versions, but then they are from different countries and so mm. on. I have three Skylarking. <laughs> that is good. That's more than average. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got like d- ones with Dear God and ones with another satellite and whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I guess we have four because we had our, our joint copy, I'll say. Um, <laughs> and then... And then um, about the 5.1, and then um, I had to buy the reverse polarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think Andy has a real gift for packaging for fans. He, yeah. I, I know he puts his, you know, fan cap on and and thinks, what would I want? And he's, he's really good at delivering on that. Um, and like one of my favorite things that I've bought is the Apple box um, mm. CD set. It's so wonderful. And I, I felt bad because I bought it from a fan who was in need of cash. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was, I was grateful and he didn't seem, you know, crushed by it. Um, and I, it was lucky I got one. It still has the feather in, and it's um, it's signed by Andy and Colin. So very happy with that. Um, and then to me, like probably my favorite 
um, purchase is, is the collector's album for Fuzzy Warble. So I first bought the just the little discs, the three-set discs that has three, three discs in each. Um, and then I really saw, I saw and coveted this so much. I, I stocked it on eBay for a while. And, um, and so I gifted, uh, the original, that little set that I got to share, to share the happiness. <laughs> but I, I love this collector's album. It's such a beautiful object, isn't it? It's so wonderful. Andrew Swainson that do most of Andy's artwork is a very talented person. He is, and yeah. The collector's uh, thing is uh, made by Andrew and mm -hmm. in, in cooperation with Andy, of course. Yeah, yeah. I have two of it. <laughs> I know. One, one can play and one that's not opened, right? Yes, it's still in the box. <laughs> then I have some things that are real, really fun. I have a bunch of uh, test pressings. Oh, uh, oh, the, oh, dear! That, that, I love test pressings. I've I've got a few, but I love test pressings. This is uh, Ball and Shane, twelve and seven, and I w visited Andy, and he gave it to me, and a bunch of others also. Dear God, big day, first sight. You know, it doesn't look mu like much, but. That is, it is. That's yeah. This should typically in my pressing from that eighty six. That's what they look like. Big Express. Have you got both halves of Big Express? Yes, side one and side two. I think I've only got side two on a green label promo. Not, I think I've got one side. I, I have which both. One it is. <laughs> of course. And <laughs> there is uh, Apple Venus. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Skylarking. 45 I, RPM. Yeah. And uh, also a bunch of singles. Uh, here you can see one with Andy's. Ah, this is a cool one. Test pressing of Statue of Liberty. You can recognize oh, nice. his handwriting. You can recognize yeah, Andy's yeah, yeah. handwriting oh. there, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. And the other side, an, a, a comment from Andy. Hang on to the night. Duller, duller with shorter. I can't see what it says after shorter. With shorter fade. Duller with oh, shorter okay. fade. So, oh. so because I was going to ask a question that I thought was naive, but maybe it's not. But when you get a test pressing, you can hear d d variations from the final release, can you? There are some that are different. Not many, no. but there are some. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, there's um, there's a there's a test pressing uh, or promo seven inch of um, Are You Receiving Me, which is a different mix, which I think is the same mix that's on the Coat of Many Cupboards. Um, um, collection, but it, that's that's different. Uh, and s s the acetates that I've got copies of, and the test pressings that I've got copies of, are exact copies of the same thing. I remember very very carefully playing my English supplement acetates just in case it was anything different. But they're absolutely identical. No, they're identical. These are the same, I think. Yeah. So when you say that you love test pressings, Daryl, <laughs> what is it that you're loving? If it's it's. It's just, uh, there's rarity value, obviously, because there are so few copies. Uh, an acetate might only have a half a dozen copies in the world. You know, uh, uh, if people don't know what an acetate is, it's normally uh, a metal disc that's been coated in a very, very thin coating of vinyl. And a first dub of the recording is taken off on that. Um, for Usually for the band and maybe the producer to take home and listen to and just to check to see if it sounds okay. Um, I just, it, it, it's... Part of it is, is coming from a background of somebody who worked in record shops for years. 
So you would get a lot of these given to you. Um, record companies and, and reps were, you know, constantly giving you white labels, this, that and the other. And most of them ended up being junked or given away or, or sold to the local collector's shop. But every time you turned up a little XDC promo or somebody gave you an XDC promo, that was that's like a, taking a little gold nugget home. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and Daryl, give us an idea of some of the things that you've got as a result of being in a record shop that uh, are not we're not I'm not talking about records. I'm talking about the paraphernalia around the records, the posters and the sure. promo items. Well, as, as we're getting on to that, now, I mean, the thing I really love, I love shop displays and, and shop display items. And just above my head, you can probably see, if, if you're in vision, uh, a, a display stand, a standee, as they're called, for um, the King for a Day Crown, Pro, Crown Pack CD single. I've also got similar things for um, The Disappointed. So that's a, that's a stand-up, sits on the counter, which will have maybe half a dozen copies of the single in it. For people to you know to pick up and and uh, and purchase if they should want to. I don't have that one. <laughs> You're not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> but things, but that also had rather nice um, window decal. So there's a, a sticker there, which is I don't know what size that is, maybe seven by five, something like that. I have that one, which is um, a transparent sticker. I think. Did you get that from me? I don't know. I, can't I don't remember. remember. But I had a bunch of, you know, a bunch of those were being given away. Uh, Virgin spent a lot of money, a lot of XTC's money, producing some really nice promotional items to try and help sell the band. Um, there's the, this is another one, which is the mermaid-shaped de- um, counter stand for All You Pretty Girls. Oh. Now, her arm, her arm lifts out, so you can tuck in a single underneath her. So she's actually got a, if you, if you put in... And all you pretty girls single in the front. Her hand is going down the sailor's chest. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just That's brilliant. Wonderful. I love it. <laughs> I love As I said, they, they took so much care. Um, you know, when you hear all these stories that, that Virgin really didn't push XTC, they really did. They, they, they tried their best in a lot of ways. Uh, and there are some lovely little promo items like that around. And I, and I, and I adore things like that. Um, especially with paper goods or cardboard goods, because they get so tatty so quickly. If you don't look after them, they fall to bits. So I've got lots of things like um, press releases and, and you know, which, I, which again, are they're always fascinating. So um, press kits, sales kits, which would go out to, to help try and sell a record into a shop. Uh, like I've got them for things like Apple Venus and for English Settlement and uh, Skylarking and those kind of things. But... Um, my favourite items from my own personal collection, again, are paper goods, but they are from right at the very, very beginning of the career. And I'm just going to pull these two out. They're getting very fragile now, so I have to be careful with them. And I bought both of these off a friend of the band many, many years ago, who was a, a Swindon-based DJ. This is a, a very early XTC promotional poster, which still has Jonathan Perkins in the band. Oh right! Ooh. So that's this is the boiler suit years, looking very stark and black and white, isn't it? Well, it's it's in the negative, mm-hmm. so you can actually. I, I did um, photograph that and negative, and it works perfectly fine the other way. But that's that the guy with the cigarette in his mouth is Jonathan Perkins, their keyboard player before Barry. So that's on kind of th- thickish pink card, and that's got to be from what seventy six at the absolute latest. Can't be later than that because obviously Barry came along then. Uh, and then my 
surprise, and this is really fragile now, and I know Mr. P doesn't have one of these because we've talked about this, and he was quite surprised to find it still existed. It's an original Star Park poster. Mm. Star Park, of course, was the band before Helium Kids, so before XTC. And this is a drawing by Andy of a, I don't know what that'll be, kind of like a, a cross between Gary Glitter and Crystal, crystal Tips, I guess. Kind of um, a, a guitarist with a very kind of oranges and lemons, yellow submarine bendy guitar jumping through a hoop for Star Park gig. When you, 35 pence to get in and see them. 35p. How amazing <laughs> yeah. would that have been? Yeah. 35 pence and you've got a support act. <laughs> But, but like, this is this is really fragile now, and it's absolutely fallen to bits. But I don't believe another one of those exists in the world. Um, and I certainly know that the guy that designed it doesn't have one, and he ain't getting mine yet. Uh, <laughs> and it, and as, as you say, Daryl, it also the way that it pr- uh, uh, is a premonition for oranges and lemons is quite incredible because you mm. would you would not expect mm. that there would be any connection between the the 1976 iteration of XDC and the band that they became but you can show where the roots of the band lie but that absolutely shows it and his obsession with graphic design so it's even before they talked about um is it Heinz Edelman and all those kind of people that were involved in in the Yellow Submarine I can't remember the name of the guy that did the original uh, radio station posters sorry but um, yeah, I mean, he's always been fascinated. I mean, you know, that's that's why he went to work as a graphic designer and a poster painter because he he loves great design. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Have Have you got a? This feels like a sort of a, a, like a chess grandmaster match <laughs> with with Daryl and Pearl <laughs> moving their queens in each direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see your promo poster and raise you. Exactly, yeah, a poker game or something. So, Per, would you like to match any of of, of Daryl's? <laughs> well, I, I don't have any of those old bo- posters, but I have a bunch of posters. Not uh, showing off here, but I have them. Uh, like non such a very big one. I don't remember how big, but very big. And Skylark and Big Express, uh, some of them. I know this item is. Uh, <laughs> Daryl really wants that. He knows I want this. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, a promo thing for Eurostar. The train was given as a free gift in Paris when the when well, I think when they open up uh, the tunnel and it's uh, must have been a fan to XTC and Andy that worked there because he wanted Andy to do a song so. This is Tin Toy Clockwork Train, and uh, it's a promo, and it's a CD inside. And but, but the the size of it makes it look like the size of an album, doesn't it? it yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But it's a CD inside, and my guess is that not many have survived because the people in Paris that got it didn't know what it was. And mm-hmm. uh, I have seen it for sale on eBay once, but this one I got directly from Andy. And is that an Andy design? No, I don't. I doubt it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't say anything about the design, but I don't think so. But it's a very rare item. Yeah, very rare. I didn't know it existed. Inside the cover, you've got a piece of 12 by 12 card with a, an image of what looks like a 12 inch single. And then the CD, because I only know this because Pear showed me his, incidentally. I don't have one. The CD is the label on the record. Right, right. If you see what I mean. It's just oh. such a beautiful package. 
I That's love cool. this, and I'm so, so envious. <gasps> Look how beautiful that is. <laughs> That's so cool. That's amazing. Isn't that stunning? And here's the other side. <sighs> I'm so envious. <laughs> All the writing there is in French. Fascinating. That is super cool. <laughs> other cool items, it's the hippie bag. Uh -huh. So it's a Dukes, uh, of, Dukes of Stratosphere a handbag bag. Uh, with the name Dukes of Stratosphere written in pink. Yeah, and, and a lot of stuff in it. Got bells and things like that, and some herbs. <laughs> so it's a little bit psychedelic thing. And I have two of them. They are all different. Where did that come from? Canada. Made it in Canada. Don't know why. This kind of stuff is particularly rare because even for a keen fan, you wouldn't necessarily know it existed unless you worked in a record mm. shop like Daryl used to and and or you were very tuned into to to where that stuff was going. Most people who work in record shops wouldn't be at all interested in it once it's served its function. So to get hold of it while it's there. I don't know how many was made, but my guess is maybe 50, 70, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But here I have a, a little bit of a different thing. Mm. It was... Uh, London Underground doing mugs with uh, <gasps> teams from uh, songs. And this is. I've uh, never seen this. This is Towers of London. Wow. Uh, the story is, I saw it, but they, they the credit on on it was Sir John John. How weird! Oh, you know, oh, really? His, his, his name for Dukes uh, of Stratosphere. So I told that to Andy. Andy contacted them, and they made new ones. <laughs> And, and he gave and he gave one to me. Towers of London, Tower Hill, Circle, and District Lines. Right, that's and with the lyrics here. Now that's something I'm going to go out and find. Daryl, you're turning green. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> I'm going to have to go out and find one of those. <laughs> you didn't know it existed. No. No, never seen no. It before. No. Yeah. But that's one of the great things about collecting is people you know, like like Pear and other collectors you talk to, they'll turn up stuff that you've never seen before, and there are lots of. There aren't lots, but there are several major XTC collectors around the world who pop up with different bits and pieces you've never seen. There's amazing stuff that came out in Japan to promote non-such, which I don't have. I know Pear's got some, of, you know, but... Um, and, and there's always something to look for. There's always something else. If you want to, as I said earlier on, if you want to just look for the records or just look for the records from your, from your country, it's fairly easy to have that complete collection. But... If you venture out into, into bits of ephemera and, and, and promotional items and stuff like that, you'll never stop. There's always something new to find. It's fascinating. I've, I've just remembered that I've got this. Uh, you've probably got this as well. It's a, a non-such playing cards. Oh. <laughs> so it's a set of... I've looked for that. <laughs> it's it's a, a set of playing cards. Uh, and instead of the names of the cards on it, it's it's you, you get the ugly underneath and bungalow and omnibus. I suppose you could play snap with it. Um, but uh, again, a sort of beautifully cr uh, drawn and consistent with the the illustrations on the album. Um, I can't remember how I came. How would I have come across that, uh, Daryl? Do you remember where that was from? You may have got it off me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that was that was issued by Virgin and given uh, given away to people in record shops. Yeah. I, I had a couple of them in 1992, so it, I don't know. You, there were quite a few of them around. Yeah. It's not yeah. it's not rare rare. No, it's not rare, but it's just beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not very rare, but quite rare. I have. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. 
it's not major league rare, <laughs> but it's but it's not easy to find. And there weren't many pro uh, produced, so there there aren't a lot that still exist in great condition because the box is quite flimsy. Um, but yeah, they're nice. That's a lovely thing. Hmm. Also, to show you the craziness of collecting, oh. this is a laser disc. Yeah. Look, look. Yeah. And since I am nuts, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have two. Do I have a laser disc player? No. No. <laughs> Never play yes. them. Does it matter? No. That, that, that's that's my VHS look look, but I don't have a VHS player anymore. But it, um, I was quite pleased with having that. But uh, I can't I can't match the laser disc version. <laughs> this I don't suppose this is. I suppose maybe this is rare. This is the uh, sheet music for Times Square, the 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 movie, uh, which is. Probably the only place you'll find this score for for, for take this town. So I guess mm. that would be ah. an unusual thing to come across, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is a rare one. Never seen it before. As well as the eleven different animals, which is is hard to get hold of, but does exist out there. Yeah, I only got mine fairly recently. Maybe in the last two years, I finally picked up a copy. Oh, really? Of different animals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it took me a long time to find one. Yeah, I yeah. I gave you the tip, Darren. Do you remember? Well, you did. You did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought it. <laughs> Reader, I bought it. <laughs> but um, that takes me on. Oh, that just reminds me of something else I did have handy, which is do, 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 that one, which is the sheet music for Senses. Oh. And that's, ah. and that's rather nice. That's because, you know, XTC sheet music was produced. These were the days when when companies did produce sheet music of hit singles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Senses, being their biggest hit, was a, is, exists as sheet music from music sales. Music sales are, oh, I've just realised, music sales, of course, are the people that own Omnibus Press who publish my books. Ooh. <laughs> 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 um, and I hadn't realised. The thing about uh, 11 Different Animals is that Dave Gregory in particular had quite a hand in making sure that the rendition of the music was as accurate as as, as it could be given the the odd way that they juxtaposed their different in instruments and so on but i wonder whether something like that census working overtime would have had dave's contribution or not or whether it's just somebody estimating what they probably were playing well i'm just looking at it now and some of these chords are ridiculously complicated so it's it's definitely it looks kind of correct to me mm -hmm. the the second chord in is a g sh oh my goodness g sharp minor uh, I can't remember what add for. Add, add for a sharp. I cannot imagine how you play that. Not being much of a guitar player, but it's. Um, but that sounds like someone's made an effort, doesn't it? I'm guessing it's reasonably accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's interesting. <laughs> um, uh, and I was wondering that a lot of the stuff that we're talking about inevitably is from 30, 40, 50 years ago. But it, uh, is the new stuff coming out that you still find collectible? And I'm. This is a leading question because I. I it was. I got hold of the the vinyl version. I don't know how collectible this is, but I don't think you can get it anymore. But the vinyl version of the monkeys, well, it's it, this is called Christmas Party Plus, uh, but it has... Oh, uh, the plus. That has Holly on it, right? It has Holly on it. Yeah. It, it has a demo version of Un Unwrap You at Christmas with with Holly f singing Andy's song. To my mind, better than the monkeys singing it. Uh, but it, it suggests anyway that it's still possible to collect stuff and get stuff new that you might not otherwise yeah, of course. Uh, have. Yeah, I, I've, I've looked for that version too. I I couldn't find one, but I, I have the regular one. Yeah, 
I think it had to move quite quickly when it came out. Yeah, I picked one up on it. took me a while to get one. I got one online. But um, it's it's not just Holly. It's Holly and Andy singing. You can just hear Andy underneath it. Yeah. Which is it's yeah, a very nice I, thing to have. I really want to get that, yeah. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, stuff still happens. Andy's still producing music. He's still made, making records. So stuff's still coming out. Um, there's less new XTC stuff, products, obviously. But every time there's a reissue... You know, there's a forthcoming reissue of Mummer, for example, which is coming in a, in a brand new series. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that. Um, every time there's a reissue, there are other iterations of that issue. So if you are a big collector, there's stuff to look out for still. There are still items happening. Do, do you have your eye open, Per, on, on you know the equivalents of Record Collector and eBay? Are you still uh, looking for things? Yeah, I still look. I'm still looking for things, but not in that uh, crazy way. <laughs> I can forget it for a couple of months and then on it again. And as I said before, I have so much already, so it's really hard to find something that I don't have. Yeah. Also, just to remember what you do have, I would have thought would be quite difficult if you've got a good memory. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I get surprised. Oh, do I have that one? Yeah, I, I bet you so, do. <laughs> I mean, I have, you see, I have my non such t shirt on. I may. Maybe have forty or fifty T-shirts. That that's something I I've never I've never been a band T-shirt person. I've never bought a band T-shirt. I don't think in my life until like the last few years. And now I have I think I have seven XTC T-shirts. <laughs> and this cap I'm wearing now <laughs> that it's quite interesting. It's a promo for uh, Wasp Star. Oh. And I showed it to Andy. He had no clue what it was. So I think it's made the record company in uh, in the United States. But that's the thing, isn't it? That those companies, TVT and Cooking Vinyl, and before that, Virgin, were issuing stuff that the band was never told about. But they still ended up paying for it. You know, this money that came out of their what should have been their profits was used to produce a lot of this stuff. A lot of these strange promotional items, which, you know, Pear and I are now kind of, you know, grabbing when we see, um, have kind of stopped, you know, stopped that extra fiver going into Andy or Colin's pocket. It's kind of unfair if you think about it that yeah. way. Yeah. Per, tell me about how you got to know uh, Andy in the, in the first place. Oh, it's a long story. I uh, did send him some tips about... Uh, uh, getting rid of his t- tinnitus or getting rid of it, help with the tinnitus. And uh, suddenly he, he mailed me. Mm. One day I was sitting down, saw a mail from Andy Partridge, and I went, what? <laughs> and then uh, maybe a year or so after that, it was an XTC convention in Swindon, and I was going, and he mailed me and I said, do you want to come home and visit me and I said uh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I'm free <laughs> so, uh, let me check I, let me check my schedule <laughs> uh, so, I, I was there a day with uh, Andrew Swainson and David Lake and uh, it was a great experience and uh, I've been to him five times I think and it's always interesting he's just talking with him is always interesting. He has so much on his mind. And he's a classic English gentleman, I say. And he's very, very kind. 
The rumors about him being difficult, uh, I have very hard to understand. I, I always find that as well, yes. yes. But I had one thing here that is a little bit odd. Here is a receipt from Kempsters. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, so it says Mr. Andy Partridge, is, and you're going to have to read out the rest of it, I think. It's a receipt for Squire Base, 140 pounds. And then the rest I can't read. And it's from <laughs> two, 2001. This I got from Andy. It's a little bit odd. And I also have all the stationery he had for Idea Records. All right. And and when they folded that, he, he gave it to me. Lovely. And Daryl, what what I, I couldn't quite see what you were just uh, waving in front of the camera. Well, this this is um, I, I I've bumped into Andy on several occasions in the past, and over the last couple of years, four or five years or so, we've um, we've we've talked a lot more. But uh, this goes back to I think the very first time I met him. Or maybe the second time I met him, I bumped into him at Swindon train station. I was, he was, he and I were both in Double H Smith's, the uh, stationers, the news agents in Swindon train station, more than 20 years ago now, uh, maybe 25. And um, my heart was out to my chest, you know, it was Andy Partridge standing next to me looking at magazines. And I said, you know, I, I managed to say hello and how are you? And I'm a big fan. And, um, he just turned around to me and said, have you got a piece of paper? I said, um, <laughs> I, I happen to have an envelope in my pocket with something in. I, I can't remember. Probably my train ticket. Uh, and I gave him that and he drew me this little self-portrait. So that's a self-portrait of Andy in a T-shirt signed underneath, which he, he drew for me in Swindon train station maybe 25 years ago. Wow. Wonderful. And that was the, that was the very, very first thing um, the first, the, yeah, the first thing that he ever did for me. And um, as Pear was saying, you know, I mean, he's a very, very kind, very generous man. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, with, they're all, people will post um, pictures of letters they got back. Um, I, I just, I think it's great. The band, I know the grant band answered fan mail themselves, but hmm. especially ones that you see from Andy where he'll draw a picture or even where people were standing in a long line to get autographs. And and he's like embellished the the image on on the CD or on the vinyl just by adding to it, you know, drawing some a body <laughs> below the heads or you know something that he's embellished like that. It's just he he's always. I think I think it's just because he thinks they the person I'm drawing this for is going to cherish this and think it's really special. And uh, I sent Andy some some stuff and. Um, made a request of him <laughs> to send a birthday card to a, a friend of mine. I I included everything that he would need to do, and he did it. He did it. He drew this wonderful picture in this birthday card um, that went to my friend Suzanne, and um, and he sent me this little thank you with a. I mean, it's just a little card that he just wrote, "Thank you so much," and he drew this little, um, you know, self portrait and. It's not that big a deal. It probably took him, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, but I just cherish it. It's just wonderful. It's that little, that little connection. It slightly reminded me of, of, of this, which is the original 12-inch version mm. of, of Miniatures, which was the Morgan Fisher compilation where um, the history of rock and roll comes from uh, yeah. that, that, when it first appeared. And so I don't know whether this is rare or not, but I imagine the original 
vinyl wasn't bought by very many people. But the, the it has a, a center pullout, uh, which uh, has lots of illustrations to describe each of the many songs on it because it's miniatures. There are a lot of them. And the one from Andy is... is uh, he's scrawled in a similar sort of way that he scrolls <laughs> on his own albums um, on the front of a hippopotamus uh, illustration. It's like a cutout, <laughs> cutout and make your own 3D hippopotamus. And he's written on the top, The History of Rock and Roll by Andy Partridge, the first 40 years in brackets. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's just that it's just that sort of found uh, graffiti, I suppose, that he's prepared to, to, to put on top of things. That short little song is brilliant. Yes, mm. yes. <laughs> I got this when I turned when I turned fifty. That's gorgeous. Isn't that amazing? Uh, it says, "Dear pair, have a great big fat swinging Swedish do or fiftieth birthday. Do whatever you want, then do it some more. Thanks, Cecilian, for your loyalty over the years and for your translation skills. Many happy happies and prosperous plastic new one." <laughs> wow, that, that's fantastic. This is hard to show, but this is Andy's touring jacket used during English Settlement Tour. Fantastic! That that's um, yeah, that's ready for your museum, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it too. One is grey and one black. I have the black one. I tried it on, but I'm still a little bit too big for it. You can send it to me. <laughs> it's quite cool. If you. <laughs> You can see it uh, in the videos and so from that period. Uh, although, uh, as I said, I, Andy did that little self-portrait for me 20-plus years ago, and I, and I bumped into him a couple of times in the interim. It wasn't until uh, about 2005, I think maybe, Pear was kind enough to get in touch with me and ask me if uh, I, I just released a book called uh, The World's Worst Records. Um, and he was kind enough to get in touch and ask me if he could buy a copy for a friend of his. He wouldn't tell me who it first. He wouldn't tell me who it first. But then it turned out to be uh, Mr. Partridge. And, of course, I signed it for him. And uh, we've become, um, you know, we correspond regularly ever since. It, it's it's a very sweet thing he did for me. That's all. So I'm always grateful to Pear for any reason. But um, this is a, a dog toy um, in the shape of a police truncheon with a sticker on the front that says XDC The Loving. And this was given away by Virgin Records to certain record shops, chart return shops as we were, to try and promote the Loving single. Because on the front cover, there's a, a policeman uh, holding an enormous truncheon. So this was their idea of a, of a suitable promotional item. <laughs> it's a dog chew. It's a dog toy. You can hear it. You can hear the squeak in it. Um, and unsurprisingly... And he's never seen one, had never seen one until I showed him a photograph of this one. Um, and I do know of one other that still exists in the world, but I don't think there are very many of these left at all because most of them would have ended up being chewed or smashed or, you know, it's very thin plastic. So they wouldn't have gone very far um, or they wouldn't have lasted very long. But it is, it's, it's, a, it's a, just a mad but fun and... And an adorable little collectible, which I just adore. Mm -hmm. The fun thing is that there is probably maximum five of them left in the world. Mm. And you have one of them. There won't be many. There won't be many. I do only know of two. And it still squeaks. It still squeaks. I was quite surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it, does still, it does still squeak, yes. <laughs> I love it. 
there's this netherworld where the imagination of the band then gets taken up by marketing executives and designers, whoever are responsible for promotional people uh, for doing all of this kind of stuff. And so like some of the stuff that we've been talking about is very much from the imagination of the band and Andy in particular as the, as the visual genius behind it. But then other stuff is, is, is people running it and running with these ideas and having no connection directly with yeah. it to such an extent that Andy hasn't even seen a lot of this stuff. That's a pretty funny one, though. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I've also got a, a lot of badges. I, I know that um, Per has got quite a lot of these, but um, what have I got here? Oh, there was an XDC club brief, brief, briefly that uh, produced its own badge. I don't think the XU Club ever managed to do anything more than produce a badge, but it, <laughs> but it, but it tried. Uh, oh, that, yes, um, I'm only going to find out. These, these are my favourite. This is this is the T of XDC from the Black Sea. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's in the, the uh -huh. other two will be in there somewhere. It's a series of two, three. Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, and, and an XDC sew-on patch. I don't remember yeah. whether I ever sewed it onto anything. I've got a Black Sea sew-on patch somewhere. That's the only one I have. I have Black Sea patch, and I had that one. And I have that one. You also have one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have so much. It's crazy. <laughs> do you display it, Per? Do you, do, do you have it um, locked away, or do you have it as... Some of it is displayed. Mm -hmm. I have uh, my big... On my big speakers, there's a lot of records and stuff like that. And uh, also... This, the same uh, uh, posters that you have is in my room. Right. For XTC and those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have tried to persuade Andrew and Andy to do something with all of the book sleeves. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a, a small brochure or, or cards or something. Yeah. P postcard, a book of postcards. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I, yeah. I've seen. Uh, 30 or 40 of them, and they are all brilliant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have a number of screenshots of where people have, you know, put on Facebook or on Twitter, put a, a, a picture of theirs. Um, but I, I definitely haven't seen them all. And I, there's, <laughs> there's, um, there's definitely a market for that. I know a lot of people express, you know, I wish I could get them all. Um, I know it's expensive proposition, but, um, be wonderful. I have that one behind you, um, Mark. The dig, the dig for, for XTC. XTC. Yeah, yeah. And Daryl's just been showing that this is pop one, which I've also got in a different yeah, room. Yeah, but my, mine, <laughs> it, uh, uh, mine's rarer <laughs> because it's not it is. signed. Of course, it <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's but it's but it's worth less. <laughs> it's not, it's not signed. It's it's not a signed copy. Um, you know, oh. they all, all the ones that went out were, were autographed, but this one isn't. So <laughs> um, I missed out on the sale of it. I was broke at the time. I was I couldn't afford to, to buy as much as I wanted. Them, I couldn't afford to. Um, and I, I got in touch with with Andrew, Andrew Swainson. Um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this and I hope this isn't getting me into trouble. Um, and I asked him if there was any chance he might have a copy kicking around that he'd let me buy. And he said, well, I haven't, but I have got a test copy of it. So um, I now have that, which is rather nice, but I don't have it signed yet. Okay, yeah, keep its rarity value. The unsigned is, 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 is far more rare. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the third one is stupidly happy. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I don't have that one. 
Um, we've 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 probably gone over uh, our, our length of time, but I think it should be Leslie's job now. If this is a, if this is a, a, a either a poker tournament or a grandmaster chess tournament, who do you think is winning, Leslie? <laughs> you can be the adjudicator. I, no, that's not fair. <laughs> I I mean, it seems obvious that uh, Purr has the most volume wise, um, for sure. Um, and I'm not saying Per doesn't know the history behind these things, but Daryl has all of the intimate details of why something was and and where it came from and who was involved. And so they're we're all winners, aren't we? All winners. It's a draw. It's a draw. I think that should be should be fair. But maybe we'll have to come back for the next contest. <laughs> but you've got that deck of cards, Mark. That's that's yeah. a that's a really nice one. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, it was yeah, good to do this because I've been d- digging out all sorts of things. And I was thinking as well, because, you know, there are things like um, that just because of, of the age we are, we've been able to pick up things such as the the, the circular mm. Big Express, which is, the, you know, the, uh, a, an album, a, a circular album in a circular sleeve that uh, <laughs> it, it, it was not difficult to get hold of at the time it was released. But now I think if you tried to get it, I don't know how, how long you would take to, to, to find something like that. So I don't think it's that hard. No, maybe not. I don't maybe think not. so. But um, again, an, a, not impressed. A, a lovely thing <laughs> to have anyway, in, in that sense that we were talking about before about the, the, the attractiveness of the designs of all of this stuff that you think, Oh, that, you know, I wouldn't want to let, let go of that, whether or not it's, it's, it's of, of value or mm, rarity. Mm. Cause the, the, the value of it is, is I think for all of these things that we, <laughs> we like them in the first place. Yeah. 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 As, yeah. A, as Andy said, it's the joy of it. Yeah. That's yeah. the most important exactly. thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a, a lovely quote that you you gave us there. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> what happened? Oh, uh, one of the shelves fell down behind me. It's no big deal. It was an avalanche. <laughs> yes, an XTC avalanche. <laughs> Luckily, they're all empty. <laughs> Don't worry. Nature's way of telling us that we've probably come to the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my French. This is um this run over promo falling down, but it's still... yeah. All your, I, I hope none of your valuable possessions have, have been destroyed. No, don't worry. This, the sleeves were empty. Don't worry. <laughs> on that, that on literal bombshell, <laughs> as, as, as Daryl's as flat explodes around him. <laughs> um, I'd like to thank very much Leslie, Daryl and Perf for, for, for being such good company and for sharing their innermost secrets. And we hope that we've not made you at home too jealous of all of this and uh if you'd like to know more just get in touch but uh we'll be back next month with another ridiculous tie knot and another episode of what you call that noise the xdc podcast thank you for listening what do you call that noise thanks again to leslie daryl and purr and many many thanks to the podcast supporters on patreon who make it all possible including the following knights in shining karma terry arnott kevin burt liam duggan jamie dunn Peter Fermoy, Leslie Gooch, Robert Graham, Marek Kraus, Jasper Kumberg, Robert Lawlaw, Dennis LeCourier, Liz Lynch, Ian Morris, Yusuf Mora, Amy Parkinson, Murray Meikle, Kevin Murray, Karen Neal, Doug Perry, Mark Reed, James Reimer, Simon Slatehome, Michael Sutcliffe, Mark Thomas, and Nigel Waller. And if you'd like to support the XTC podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again in a month's time.